We're really excited about the next steps of faith that we're going to undertake this year uh, in CCF. You know, our vision at Christ Community Fellowship is to glorify God by loving and obeying Jesus Christ. To glorify God is to love and to obey Jesus Christ. Jesus made that crystal clear in John chapter 15 and in other places. But last year, it was our heart's desire to begin to set the stage to reach uh, families for Jesus, especially children. We accomplished a lot of practical things this past year towards that goal. And we updated classrooms and, and there's new carpet. We remodeled the nursery um, and updated the rooms and the gym and transitioned the Sunday morning children's ministry out there and are continuing to work on that. In addition to this, Rainy kind of jumped on and, and helped us with children's ministry to organize that. And we're thankful for that. And um, these things don't even include how many of you uh, reached out and, and, and ministered to families and children and all the things that were going on in our fellowship. And God really has done a lot in this past year in and through us. I see that we're we're growing, we're changing, uh, we're, there's a foundation from which we can build on. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, all that God has done this past year. But this year we're going to take giant steps at our at our fellowship in the area of our youth and this morning I'd like to just spend the remaining time elaborating on our vision and God's heart for our youth. And that's what I want to focus on this morning because that's going to be a major emphasis in in the, in the year to come. Um and, and as I look to to scripture there's so much that can be said. But one of the most striking things we learn about God's heart for youth is that He desires that children be drawn near to Jesus Christ, His Son. God desires that children know Jesus. I mean, that is the Father's heart. And in Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to Me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Remember that verse? Don't hinder them, but let them come to me. And this is Jesus. And we see the Lord's heart from this verse because Jesus desires that little children would not be hindered from coming to him. And he says, because the kingdom of heaven is of such as these. And I don't have time to explain of all that, what that means, although I'm really tempted to. Tempted in a good way, I guess. But so we know from these verses and others that God's kingdom really belongs to children who desire to come to him, to come to Jesus. And therefore, God is serious about Jesus, about children coming to his son. God is very serious about children coming to Jesus Christ. And there's something about Jesus that draws children to him that's very important to know. The very nature of his being, children are happy to be around. They're drawn to. There's something in him and through him, who he is, very is, that they long to be. And you know that children don't like to be around mean people, right? But I tell you what, when people are full of joy and love and kindness and all these things, and, and they're giving, children just long to, to be around those types of people. We have several of those in our fellowship. But sadly, um, Jesus' disciples, they were the ones that hindered the children from coming to Jesus. They had good intentions, but they needed some correction. Oh, he's too busy, or whatever it might be. 
And I think there's a lesson in that for us as disciples who desire to love and obey Jesus. There's a real danger that we can get in the way or hinder in some way our children and the children from whom God is reaching um, those kids from coming and drawing near to Jesus. That's a, that's a real factor. Uh, we can do this as parents in our homes, and we can do it institutionally in the church, both through myriads of ways. But Jesus would later say and warn in Matthew 18 that judgment would await anyone who causes a little one who believed in Jesus to stumble. And I believe the idea there is that they would not just keep children from coming to Jesus, but through their lives, their actions, the decisions they make, it would cause temptation directly to enter into children's lives to turn away from the Lord. And that's a real scary situation that we are facing as Christians. And so the Lord is very fierce when it comes to the young, the youth being close to him. He always has been. And I think it's important to keep in mind that as we look at our response to God's call to bring our own children to Jesus and in the context of our homes, you know, or the youth in general and the context of the church, we've got to keep that in mind. And this is a concern I see from Scripture. And, you know, and I'm crying out, Lord, am I helping? And this is a question I'm asking myself, and I think we should ask, Lord, am I helping or hindering my children from coming closer to you? By how I live, what I say, what I do, what's in my home, the things I allow, I don't allow, all that type of stuff. And then I would take that a step further and say, am I hindering people from coming, from, from children, from coming to Jesus in the church by what I do or do not do and all those types of things? My inactivity, my neglect or whatever it might be, or by the way I act or who I am, all those types of things. I think it's a real, real quickening type of thing in, in my heart. How about you? And, and, and I really, as I'm pondering these things, I don't think about that so often. I think, oh, well, that's, I got my thing that someone else is. That's not the way the Lord sees it. We're the body of Christ, right? And I think each one of us has an absolute responsibility before the Lord to make sure that we are a people, a person personally and a group, that we are pointing kids to Jesus, not hindering kids from coming to Jesus. Amen? And that requires an active choice on, in my heart and in my life to go towards that. And so, this is one concern I see from Scripture. Lord, how can I help? But the truth is that I see in our fellowship a deep desire to have you be drawn to Jesus. I see that. But we're faced with a culture that's getting increasingly dark. Is it not? Uh, it always has been, but it's just really showing its total depravity in our day and age. Evil is being called good, and good is being called evil, just as Scripture said it would in the end times. And the world has been turned upside down in just a few generations, it seems. James Dobson said something to the effect that it used to be that the culture in America had values that were Christian by nature. In other words, you could send your kid to a, to a school without worry that they would come out denying Christ and godless because 
basically the moral philosophy of the culture wasn't in stark contrast with Scripture. We had a Christianese culture. Obviously, I don't want to glorify there's darkness. There always has been. But in general, the culture, it was a Christian culture. And this was because many of our founding fathers, they were Christians. And therefore, our founding documents and government structure were heavily influenced by Scripture. And we were blessed because of it. And almost all the prestigious universities, institutions that we we know, they all began as Christian institutions out of people's duty of worship to God for a civil society that it was incumbent upon them to make the world uh, see Jesus and to minister to them. And so this idea that we've got effect of our community and so therefore institutions of learning came about. And so it was a universal understanding of how God fits in the universe. And you had amazing uh, institutional learning centers and all these types of places, hospitals and and orphanages, and all these amazing places that were birthed out of that foundation. And so there was a time not long ago where evil was easily identified, and right and wrong was something that actually existed (laughs) in our cultural vernacular, and that came from a Christian worldview, but that worldview is gone now. It's gone. It is heavily eroded. There's pockets here and there, but in general, it's gone. And so when you send uh, your kid to school, when my kid goes to school, and, and when you send your kid to university, or they listen to media, or watch television, all the voices, they do not reinforce Jesus' teaching. They don't. It's a godless perspective. They are in opposition to him and seek to undermine him directly or indirectly in every way. I know that's controversial. That is where we're living. We have a culture that has abandoned those things. And now we are being taught and framed in all these types of things in that context, that which is contrary to Christ. And so when you say something as simple as, hey, marriage is between one man and woman, the universities are going to go, what are you saying? You are so stupid. Of course. Expect it. And I'm not sitting up here preaching anti-school, anti, uh, anti-university. I'm saying this is the culture that, we're, that our kids are growing up in. It's not what we grew up in. I know it was bad back then, but it's exponentially darker now. And so the voices speaking to this generation are for the most part anti-Christ. And I don't say that. We're just against Christ. We're in place of Christ. I'm not saying anti-Christ as in the anti-Christ. They're just against Christ. And it seems like the voices that are for the Lord are growing faint. And a generation is being raised up that does not know the Lord and are headed down a path that leads to destruction, and they don't even know it. And I, I'm painting a bleak picture because that's what Scripture says, and that's the reality. And I have, I have a feeling, I have a strong feeling that the church, we, we are getting hit so often with this culture that we, we don't realize the darkness. You know, one of the, one of the things that, was shown to me, I believe, in high school, was was the Hindenburg 
going down and the recording of that one, an early recording. Anybody hear the Hindenburg going down, the giant blimp type thing? And in just the announcer, the tragedy, how he could barely hold on to his words as, as that blimp full of people were, was crashing to the ground in flames and the sight just overwhelmed him and he was just, he couldn't hold it. That is, who cares in our culture these days? There isn't a sensitivity to death anymore. There isn't a sensitivity to evil anymore. We're inundated with it. We are inundated with it. So what I'm saying is that, well, turn with me quickly to Judges chapter 2. I'd like you to turn there, please. And this is the whole, this is where we're going to spend a few minutes. Don't worry, this is a short message, okay? Shorter message. And I believe the Holy Spirit will illuminate the parallel here. Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. It says, After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Moses had delivered the people of God out of the land of Egypt who had spent 400 years of their, their most of that time in slavery and bondage. And God delivered the people of God out of Egypt with mighty signs, mighty wonders, ten plagues, and then crossing the Red Sea, and all these types of things, Egypt being a picture of the world, and sin, God delivers them out through mighty deeds, and then obviously, um, you know, through the Red Sea baptism, and you've got just a lot of pictures there in the New Testament. There were mighty things that happened. God was strong. And God desired to bring them into the promised land, the land of Canaan, which was full of giants, by the way, so I do not believe that it is a picture of heaven. It's a picture of the Christian life, actually. But the land of Canaan, kind of a modern-day Israel, biblically, prom- uh, biblically promised, uh, there, was, there was more land in modern-day Israel is where Canaan is, but the biblical promised land had more land. That's a whole other message. But they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness until the generation that saw those mighty acts died off because even though they saw God's mighty hand, they loved the comforts of Egypt more than looking forward to that land. They wanted to go back and they were grumbling against God. And when they went to the land and when they were supposed to go take it, and the spies came back, they said, there's giants in the land. And then one guy or two guys come back, came back, Caleb and Joshua. And they said, yeah, but we can, later on, they said, yeah, but we can, we can take these guys. But they chose to believe the, the doubters. And so God said, all right, you can't enter in, into my promised land. And that generation totally died off. And so they had to die because of disbelief. And it was while they were in the wilderness that God gave them the law, the Ten Commandments, and all the other moral and civil codes. And just as that next generation was about to enter the promised land, year 39, year 40, 
just about to cross over the River Jordan into the Promised Land, Moses retells all that new generation, the law and their history of deliverance by God. And that's what the book of Deuteronomy is all around. Deuteronomy means the retelling of the law. And a very important passage of Scripture from this time found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 begins in verse 20. I'll read it for you. It says, this is, uh, well, well, this is right after God commands the parents to use every single situation in life to remind their children of God and His faithfulness and His goodness. Use every single thing that's going on. When you're eating, when you're standing up, when you're, when you're mowing the lawn, whatever you're doing, use it all to remind the children of God of who I am. Your life is an illustration. It's not a Sunday school room. It follows that in verse 20. And it says, In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of these stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Verse 21. Tell him we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive. As in this, as in, as is the case today. And if we're careful to obey all the law of the Lord, our God, as He commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So that's what you're supposed to tell your kids when they ask you, why do we, why are we doing what we're doing? What's up with the laws and the decrees and all these things? You're supposed to tell them your history. You're supposed to tell them what God has done. You're supposed to remind them of the Lord. You see, the whole nation had their identity wrapped up. Wrapped up in the Lord. And it was God's purpose that each family would remind themselves and their children of how the Lord rescued and delivered them. The parents had the central responsibility of being the ones who taught the children about the Lord. That has not changed. And that won't change here. Parents, you have been called by God to remind your children of the Lord and His greatness and His goodness. That is fully upon you. That is your responsibility before God, and you will stand before Him and answer for it, to Him for it. So I want to throw that weight on you. Amen? I feel it. Anybody else feel it? Woo. And that really even seems to ring through creation, that we were created in God's image. We were like God, and Adam then had a kid, and then, and then Adam's kid was like him, right? He reflected him, not only physically, of course, but morally and what they did. You ever notice your kids kind of act like you and do the things you do? You ever try to teach them what not to do that's exactly like you? Very interesting, isn't it? It's in the context of family that children are to be primarily taught about the, the Lord. And so what do you think one of the enemy's major, major targets is? Where do you see the most violence? Where do you see the most crime? Where do you see things that are going on? The, the depravity. So question, what do you think happened to the nation of Israel when they stopped doing that? And how long did that take? Fast forward a generation, Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. 
Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. It's pretty cool. Remember, he was Moses' right-hand man who led the people in the promised land because Moses couldn't enter. Verse 9 says, And they buried him in the land of his inheritance, in the hill country there. Verse 10, And this is the main point. And after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. What happened? What happened? The ones who knew the Lord, they failed to do what Deuteronomy 6 had told them to do. Tell them about me. Maybe it was getting into their new land. Maybe it was the old leadership dying off and let's just not agree on their old school who cares about them. You see, the people who had experienced God and knew God failed to communicate that to their children. That happened in the home. And that happened nationally. How long do you think it took before that society to actually fall apart? Do you think God's pattern has changed? How long has it taken our nation to fall apart? Yeah. The ones who knew the Lord, they failed to declare the Lord. And in one generation, a godless society grew up who did not know him, nor what he had done. And when a generation grows up not knowing God, verse 11 happens. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served Baals. Those are foreign gods. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. And here's the kicker. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. And is that not the heart of what every parent struggles with? I want them to follow the Lord, but they are following the gods of the people around me. That's what I struggle with. Anyone else? Is that not it? Is that what we're facing? Is that our hearts cry to the Lord, church, that my children would follow the Lord? That your children would follow the Lord? That the children of Walla Walla would follow the Lord? And not go after Baals and Ashtoreths where they were taking their newborn babies and putting them on a burning idol and it would incinerate in front of them. And yet we do it humanely in the womb now. What's the difference? And let me tell you, if you've gone through that, there is mercy for you in the Lord. God is very forgiving and merciful. But God's anger burned against those people. You know, part of God's judgment isn't just that we, you know, is that he smacks us all and stuff, is he just leaves us to our deeds. He just lets us go as a culture. And he just lets the evil become so evil. And the weight becomes so weighty. It just falls down upon us and you can feel the oppression around you and the hopelessness. And that's designed by God, I believe. He allows these things to happen so that we cry out to him like he did and he comes and delivers and he did raise up a judge. And God was with those judges. And as long as those judges were preaching the word and people were repenting all those things, God was with them. But as soon as that judge died, guess what happened? 
They went back into the they went back to the things they, they did because there wasn't someone declaring those things to the next generation. And I'm telling you, it's not just a pastor. It is us. It is the family. And we need to take personal responsibility for those things. Be serious about that this year. And this is exactly where we find ourselves today, amongst a generation that does not know the Lord nor what He has done because a generation failed their mission. They got caught up in something and they failed to remember the Lord before their family. And so a generation grew up that reflected them. You see, mutation is a horrible thing. And that's just kind of how we live. The next generation is a little worse than the one previous. And our children and the children of Walla Walla are being enticed by the dominating culture around them. They're being caused to stumble. And I know this grieves the heart of our Father. And yet, by design, by design, He has placed His church here to be a beautiful, loud voice in this cultural wilderness to declare Jesus Christ once again to our youth and the youth of Walla Walla and wherever God may send us. Amen? We're the light of the world. We have the voice, we have the Son, we have the Spirit. And so, pray that this convicts and awaken us to the times we're living in. I'm not trying to bum us out, but I think we are feeling it and in seeing it as godly parents and grandparents by the pull of the world on our kids and in the, in the culture around us. And as Marcus Wilcox was sharing with me yesterday, it wasn't like when, I, when, when he was a kid where his parents could, could control circumstances in his life perhaps a little more easier than us. It's everywhere. You get in the car and it's there. You, it, you turn on the TV. It's, it's jumping from every screen and every phone. Contrary stuff. And they love it. Of course they love it because it feeds the flesh and it reinforces everything. And there's these shadow lives happening within our families and... It's hard. And so I think the Holy Spirit is saying to each of us that it is time to watch and pray and repent and to be in step with the Spirit in our homes and to be that man and woman of God that will reflect Christ to the family more boldly than ever before. Fathers, it's time to step up your game. It's time for you to lead your family to church, to Bible study, to youth groups. That's your responsibility. Mothers, if there's not a father in the home, that's your call. Every day, use every opportunity. And the hardest thing is when you haven't been doing it because the enemy just hits you. I was sharing with John this morning about singing. It's always awkward to sing in front of people for the first time you know, because you're, you're, you're self-conscious. But you know what? Just let God work out the kinks. Amen? That's for us in our homes. And I want to say that because that is, that is the main biblical thrust of what the Bible says. That's God's design. Is us in our homes. Amen? So, that's my exhortation for us as a fellowship. But the question is, how are we as CCF going to help parents and single parents and 
kids without parents who care about the Lord or anything like that, how are we going to reach the next generation, the lost generation? What's the plan moving forward for a youth ministry? Well, the elders believe this endeavor requires a spirit-filled, word-centered man of God to spearhead this ministry. And so, as many of you have expressed, and we agree, there needs to be a person whose life is dedicated to seeing youth glorifying God by loving and obeying Jesus Christ. And there needs to be someone who will go into the fields that are ripe and who will rally us to that vision day after day, year after year, and who will see the fruit come in its season. And so next Sunday, December 15th, as a part of our service, we will be praying, and then we're going to be posting right here as a church a position for a full-time youth director. That's what, I, that's what we want to do. And that's what we will be doing next, uh, next Sunday. And that's exciting. And so... As we move forward, I'm asking that you would actively participate in this step of faith with us in a, in a few ways, and perhaps more things is developed. But the first is through prayer. The first is through prayer that we would have the Lord's man. We don't need flash. Uh, we truly need a man of God who is a man of the Word, who is filled and directed and taught by the Spirit, who loves kids and who ki- and kids love them. Not a Superman, but a humble, Spirit-filled man of God. And so please pray towards this. I'm serious about it. I'd like you to pray for that. It's very important. And, and, uh, and for their family and their marriage, if, if they're married. Uh, but pray for God to speak to them. You know, to remove the obstacles, to make the path clear, and all of those other important things. So please, please pray. That's, it's so important, so foundational. I've been on the other side of it. God works through prayer. As you were praying, God was doing things in our lives, in our hearts, and circumstances. And there's a lot of warfare. Obviously, this morning is one of them. So that, that's how things get done in the kingdom. So we pray first. We're going to be having a prayer meeting uh, later this month, specifically set aside for praying for our youth. And so I'd like you to be a part of that. Second, Secondly, uh, we're going to continue to need your financial support. I'm not, you know, I do not fleece the flock. I'm just saying this is going to take resources and time. And so I want to encourage you to continue to give and to ask the Lord how you can continue to give towards the fellowship in this way. And so pray about how you can financially support this ministry as we're moving forward. Um, uh, just, just lay it before the Lord and ask what he says. And, and we'll, we'll have more of a financial discussion and all that type of stuff. Marcus has those, those notes. We'll get to that later. So firstly, pray. Secondly, think about how you can tangibly give towards this. This is act, that's actually translates into ministry. It's biblical, brothers and sisters. All right? We give towards people who spread the word of God to people. That's investing in the kingdom of God. Amen? And if they're driving, you know, maybe if they're flying around a Learjet and stuff, it's time to start, you know, hey, what's going on there? But I don't think that's the case, right? The elders have been on top of all that. I got the model down Learjet. I'm upset about that. Just kidding. <laughs> And so thirdly, as, an opportunity, as the opportunity arrives, get involved. 
We have need for our children's ministry. We have need for people to serve. I am going to challenge you, people who are out in the body, to serve in our children's ministry once every six weeks. You've been here for a while. I hear you, I hear all the things. I know you're busy and all that stuff. Once every six weeks, this is an important thing. I'm going to be challenging challenging you all. And so um, be open to that. But we're going to need people to help support this new person in, in a myriad of ways. And so don't just think it's just being in a classroom. There's so much. And so just get in the mindset of prayer. Get in the mindset of giving. and Get in the mindset of serving. Those are, that's what the body of Christ is about. Amen? And so, my, my uh, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm challenging you to seriously lay down your life before the Lord and to ask how you can contribute to this vision of reaching our youth. And join us as we see God by His sweet spirit draw youth to Himself through Jesus. And I'd like to pray and close this section and then open it up to some questions and answers uh, just for the next few minutes. And so, if we could bow our heads together, that would be great. Father, uh, we just want to thank you so much for all that you've given us. We're asking, Lord, uh, through this step of faith that we would, uh, we would reach our kids. That there would be another voice in the mix. A godly influence in the culture. There would be someone to counterbalance the darkness that we experience as parents. That there would be someone who loves and tends the sheep of God. So Lord, right now, stir in the heart of that man and wake him for the calling of Christ Community Fellowship in Walla Walla. And Lord, we ask that you would provide for them, that you would take care of them, that you'd make them strong in you. And we ask, Lord, that as we as a fellowship would not be on the sidelines in this, but we would be wholehearted as we move forward. And so we just commit this to you. We ask that next week during the service, as we post that thing and send it out into the universe, um, that by your sovereign hand, you would draw um, the person who was called to us to be a part of this body, not the body, be a part of the body. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.